First Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This is the word of the Lord. When you're trying to describe something that's really wonderful, how do you do that well? Well, one of the things you can do is you can go back and talk about the incredible process that happened to get it to you. You know, maybe you're at a nice restaurant and the guy comes out and he says, well, this wine was grown in this vineyard and carried by an ox cart with left-footed oxen. And, you know, all these things that just kind of make it special. It's one of the ways you can... You can do that. Well, I think that's what Peter is doing in this lovely, quirky little paragraph that is, if you read it in the Greek, it's just the oddest thing. It's very hard to, to translate. But he's, remember what he's doing here. He's writing a, a letter to Christians that are beginning to suffer because they don't share the values of the people around them. And so, like Paul, he starts off with this lovely introduction to the gospel, and he goes In one long Greek sentence, from 3 down to 12, the blessings of the gospel, the hope of the gospel. And in verse 10, almost as an afterthought, he said, you know, before we go on, i got to say one more thing about about this incredible gospel that's ours. And what he does is he, he reviews four agents of redemption that bring us the gospel, or four messengers that are involved in bringing this incredible gospel to us. And he He starts off with the prophets. He says, they prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. They searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ was indicated when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. So step back for a moment and think about what's going on here. From Before the dawn of time, God has this wonderful gospel story uh, where he is going to heal the world. He's going to redeem the world. He's going to save the world through Christ. And hundreds of years before the coming of Christ, Christ's spirit begins to, to leak out this story through the prophets, begins to share it through the prophets. And he does this hundreds of times. There are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about the anointed one or the Messiah who will save God's people, establish a kingdom of justice and peace. But the prophecies are confusing because some of them talk about the suffering of the Messiah and how he will be beaten and killed and disrespected and not listened to. Some of them talk about the glory of the Messiah, how he will reign, how he will uh, uh, be exalted, how, how he will be wise, how be a, he'll be a king, he'll be from the line of David. And nobody could figure out, how do you put together these prophecies? It was like this great puzzle without the box. Have you ever tried to do that? You know, that seems to be all the puzzles in our house somehow wind up boxless. And I don't know if we ever finish puzzles. We usually just kind of start them. But they didn't have 
the whole box. And the, Peter says in the Greek, the Greek word for search means to consider the matter from every point of view. The Greek word for inquired carefully means to search for something hidden like miners digging for metals in the bowels of the earth. So isn't that a fascinating picture? That God would give these men, and sometimes women later on, he would give them a vision, a message of this gospel, of this good news. Theologians later will call it the messianic secret. He would say, here, there's this incredible secret that is going to come. And, of course, they want to know what it is. And so can't you just kind of see them gathered around some candle with a Torah scroll out trying to, okay, okay, you got that one, and you got that one. Isaiah had that one, and what does it mean? But they never found out. And all the way down to Jesus' day, godly men and women were poring over the scriptures, wondering how they'd be fulfilled. Jesus says in Mark 13, Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, to hear what you hear. They didn't hear it. So Peter is trying to encourage his readers by reminding them that the prophets of old long to understand what they get to understand. They get in on the secret. And no one had before them. And this just, just pumped the biblical writers. It, they never are ceased to be amazed at the fact that they get to know the secret. It comes up all over the place. Paul's writing to the Ephesians. He says, you know, when you read this, you could perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it's now been revealed to the holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. And then he says to the Corinthians, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So imagine for a moment that the world's like a cave. And let's say that you, you grew up in the cave, and for generations your families lived in the cave, and they've made it a nice cave. And they've, it's one of the nicer caves around. And they've drawn pretty pictures in the cave. And there's this rumor going around. Somebody heard a long time ago that there was a way out of the cave. But no one quite knew what it was. And then one day, somebody bears this torch in and says, come on, I'll show you out of the cave. Wouldn't that be a special day? Wouldn't you celebrate living at the time when you got to leave the cave. That's what Peter's saying. You know, the gospel was just so rich to him. It was the secret that led them out of the cave. You know, I fear sometimes the gospel can become so boring and familiar to us. We hear it all the time. It was not boring to the early Christians. They got to know the secret. Well, then Peter says that this gospel has now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you. So the prophets prophesy the gospel. The apostles preach the gospel on the great missionary journeys that we read about in the book of Acts. So the early Christians were just amazed at the gospel. They were amazed because hundreds of times the prophets predicted it and it all came true. That was pretty amazing. But then they were amazed that they got to hear it at all. Have you ever thought how amazing it is that tonight in Knoxville, Tennessee, 
We are gathered around the story of a risen Savior in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. How did that message ever get to us? Now, some baker in Cappadocia who hears the story about this Jewish rabbi who dies and rises from the dead was blown away that somebody somehow would take the message from Jerusalem to Rome to a boat across the Baltic all the way up into his little neck of the woods of Cappadocia. It just boggled their mind that they could get the gospel at all. They thought it was amazing. Who shared the gospel with you? For me, it was Doug Martin. Freshman year, 1976, Worthington High School, all year long, gently pursued me, invited me to a little youth group. For Sandy, it was a high school. It was a friend in high school. Took her to a Campus Crusade Christmas conference. Who, who did that for you? You know, we value things based on how hard it is to bring them to us. We value pearls at the bottom of the ocean or tea grown on an isolated mountain in China. And Peter is saying, brothers and sisters, cherish this gospel. Do you know how hard it was to get this message to you? You know, it's still costing people to pass this message down. You probably heard that on Thursday, a busload of Egyptian Christians and their families were going to retreat at a desert monastery, and they were stopped by gunmen. They ordered them off the bus. They demanded that they recite the beliefs of Islam. When they refused, they shot 28 before they were stopped by an oncoming car. This has happened thousands of times. There's a price for this gospel being carried on. You know, we, we, we think sometimes that the flame of the gospel is sputtering and going out. But by the power of the Spirit and through great courage, women and boys and girls have made hard choices so that we still have it. You know, one of the ways that that's happened is through the gift of Bible translations. Paul says in Romans, how are they to call on him in whom they haven't believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they never heard? The way that you come to know God is through the word of God. And that means that you've got to get the word of God to the people of God. Do you have, you may know, how much blood was shed so that you and I could hold this book? John Wycliffe, a reforming, devout Catholic priest, committed heresy. Do you know what his heresy was? He translated the Bible from Latin into the language of the people. And then William Tyndale did the same thing a century later, and he was burned at the stake for it. And even more recently, people in our own congregation, Roy and Dorothy Payne and the Butlers, spent about a decade in a very difficult part of the Philippines, listening to the language of tribal people, translating the scriptures into uh, their tongue. You know, sometimes I'm just uh, humbled by, you know, the fact that we have the Bible on our phone now. It's an app, just like my ESPN app. I don't know how good that is. Summer of 82, when Sandy and I were in the Soviet Union, we 
we snuck a small plastic Gideon's Bible uh, into our backpacks, and I remember picking it up out of a trash can at Northwestern. The Gideons used to go around and hand out Bibles, and somebody had thrown it out, and we were at this church, and this uh, big old bear of a pastor was preaching, and you could tell who the KGB agents were. That was one of the odd things about that whole trip, is that you, they almost had T-shirts that said, I'm KGB. I mean, <laughs> you could tell who they were. And this guy fearlessly preached the gospel and in front of all these agents, and afterwards he hugged us, and I pulled out this little cheap green Bible, and I said, hey, you take this. <laughs> he broke down, he wept, he hugged me, he kissed me. Because he didn't have one. What an incredible gift it is to have the Word of God. Well, then Peter says that this incredible gospel has been preached to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It's wonderful that the prophets prophesied the gospel. It's wonderful that the apostles preach the gospel, but that's not enough, the Bible says. And I know this is a mystery, but this is what the Bible says, is that apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit, even when we have the Word of God, we can't fully understand it. So the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost to help us understand the gospel. This is why Jesus says to Nicodemus, the, the godly religious ruler, he says, you know, you can't figure this out in the flesh. You need to be born again by the Spirit. I met with a young man recently, come to church a couple of years ago, and he, he just said, frankly, you know, I just was bored and never came back. Um, I love those conversations. You know? <laughs> but he came back. And we had a good conversation about it. And he said, you know, something was so different this time. Somehow I have this hunger to read the Bible. I have a desire to pray. I love to worship now. I can't get enough of Scripture. I want to be with God's people. Now, what's the difference? Somehow the Holy Spirit is opening his heart to the good news of the gospel. So the prophets predict the gospel, the apostles proclaim the gospel, the Spirit applies the gospel. And then Peter adds one more quirky character in this novel of redemption. He says the gospel truths are things in which angels long to look. <laughs> angels are administering spirits, Hebrews 1.14 says. They help God administer his kingdom. They serve God's people. And the Greek verb for look means to bend over, to look at more closely. The Greek verb for long means a strong interest or craving. So, so this is crazy, and don't ask me to explain it. I'm exhausting everything I know about it in the next 30 seconds. The angels don't understand the gospel. Only you do. And somehow the angels are looking at this going on tonight. They might be in the room right, right now wondering, what is it that they're talking about? Why are they so excited about this? Why don't I get to know about this? They just get to look at it and puzzle it out. 
Angels don't get on the gospel secret. Only people do. And that's an incredible, incredible privilege. How precious is the gospel? It's so precious that prophets predicted it, apostles preached it, the Spirit opened our eyes to it, and angels wish they could understand it. Let's pray. Thank you.